0: Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What are the differences between currency and proficiency? Hey everyone, Jason Schaeffer here of M0A.com, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Complete knowledge test prep, checkride prep, but most importantly, sending you out to make you that safe, real world instrument. Pilot teaching you beyond the ACS, beyond the checklist. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to check it out and learn more today. What are the differences between being a current pilot and being a proficient pilot? Let's take it a step further and say, what are the differences between being a current instrument pilot and being a proficient instrument pilot? You see, the FAA defines currency— Under 6157, I need to accomplish six instrument approaches, holding procedures, and intercepted and tracking courses through the use of navigational electronic systems is how it's defined, in plain English, in 6157. Six approaches in six months. That's what the FAA defines as current. In addition to that, I need to be current with my flight review, current with my medical, and depending if I have passengers or not, there's a few other little things in there, right? That's currency, and that's well and good. But, that is the bare minimum you can do. Think of it this way. A very, very smart checkride examiner once said this to me. It's just always stuck with me. He said, Jason, the ACS is the worst you can do and still become a pilot. Have you ever thought of the ACS that way? The worst you can do and still become a pilot. So, I'm here to tell you, 6157 is the least amount you can do and still be an instrument pilot. And, when you say it that way, it kind of brings a different tune. Like, the least I can do, if you went up to your friend who you said, man, we got to make it to this business meeting. It's an IFR day. We're going to have to shoot an approach down in. And, he's going to say, well, is everything good? You say, Yeah, I did the least amount I could do to legally make this flight. (laughs) How is your passenger going to feel when you say that to them, right? Because that's essentially what you're doing with currency. You are doing just enough to be legal, just enough to be a little bit dangerous, shall we say. So, then what is proficiency? Proficiency is, would I take my son or daughter or spouse flying? Proficiency is, would I take my coworker flying? That's what proficiency really is. If currency is the least I can do and still be you know, legal, proficiency is above and beyond that. So, what are some items we can do to maintain proficiency? Because, if you're working on an instrument rating, or you are a, shall I use the word, current instrument pilot, you know that the principle of disuse sneaks up faster in instrument flying than it does in any other certificate or rating you are going to pursue. Think about proficiency this way. How can we increase the overall number of approaches and holds? and intercepting and tracking we do. Maybe you say, you know what? Six is what the FAA says. It's eight for me. Or, maybe the six is fine, but it's going to be six totally different, six extremely challenging instrument approaches, different types, reading different plates, shooting approaches I've never shot before, into different airports I've never been to before, finding new ways to challenge myself. Maybe it means getting actual time versus hood time. If you've been following me for any amount of time, you know I have been talking about currency versus proficiency. It's just my theme all of last year, all of this year, and for years to come. I— I'm getting way ahead of myself and outside the scope of this topic. This is more like the CFI podcast kind of topic. But, one of the hardest things for a flight instructor to teach is good decision-making. Put yourself in the shoes of a flight instructor. I've got, for the instrument rating, 20 to 30 hours with you to instill in you how to make good decisions in the instrument environment. That's not a lot of time right? to teach good decision-making. You know, Parents get 18 years to teach their children good decision-making. I get 20 or 30 hours with you to teach you how to make smart go and no-go decisions, how to teach good decisions. A proficient pilot knows how to set hard-set personal minimums to succeed, to make those smart go and no-go decisions. The hardest thing you'll teach. One of those great ways to build up those hard set personal minimums is to fly in actual conditions. And again, just like I say currency versus proficiency, probably, you know, 100 times a day, the the second most used thing that I say is get yourself actual IFR time. The difference between hood time, foggle time, Simulated time, whatever you want to call it, versus actual IFR is a night and day difference. Hoodwork, the simulated IFR, is nowhere close, not even the same league as flying in real IFR conditions. Not even close. And yet, I know people who've earned their instrument rating having never stuck their head in an actual cloud. And, that's scary to me, because the moment you do it, uh, you will realize what an immersive experience it is, because it's never that perfect little stratus layer you expect. It's that cumulus layer you're going down through, and you're being immersed in the clouds. You see the rush of the clouds going past you. You're getting bumped around, catching updrafts and downdrafts, and it is— It is an immersive experience, and I'm telling you, hopefully, you're nodding your head right now going, yes, absolutely, you have to get actual IFR time. There is such a difference. Let's continue with this theme of proficiency. What about your total hours? What are your total hours, VFR or IFR? Let's combine them both. In the past 30 days, the past 90 days, the past six months, the past year, do you have flying goals set up like that? You know, in school, we set goals. In business, we set goals. In our jobs, we have goals. Do you have goals for your logbook? Do you have a 30-day goal? I want to fly four hours, you know, an hour a week. That's my goal this month. 90 days, you have quarterly goals. I want to keep up with my hour-a-week plan, plus I want to fly one long cross-country each quarter? Like, these aren't hard goals to achieve. Six months, one-year goals. Do you have these flying goals set? And then, do you have backup plans? Because, you know what? You're going to plan that beautiful cross-country one day, and you're going to get a really crummy day that greatly exceeds your personal minimums. We learned how to make good decisions, and you make the good decision not to go that day, but to reschedule for next week. And, you do that instead. You have to work towards that. We, um, When I record these, we live stream it on YouTube and on Facebook, and I encourage you to, to watch as well. It's a lot of fun. Just kind of do it in the middle of the afternoon, and you can leave it playing in the background on YouTube and on Facebook. But, I always ask the audience before I start recording the podcast kind of some of their ideas and some of the things we came up with. You know, Obviously, we talk about the idea of different approaches, but reading different approach plates. Really, the theme of staying in the system. By that, I mean the IFR system. It could be the flight train system, too. But, staying in the IFR system, it's so easy when you go out there and there's a gorgeous IFR day to just go, oh, you know—I'm sorry, gorgeous IFR day. It's like an oxymoron, right? To some. Um, it's a gorgeous VFR day. It's so easy just to go, oh, will just get VFR flight following. I don't need to fly IFR. And, we only file IFR when we have to. File IFR even on those gorgeous days just to get priority into the busy airport. You may not get the perfect direct to routing that you want to, but you'll get you'll make up for it because you'll get better routing, better sequencing coming into the actual airport, and it all kind of wash even here. But most importantly, it keeps you in the system. Like I was sharing with your 30, 90, six, six-month, and one-year goals. What are what's the action plan here? Beyond just those flights, having a plan. What are your weaknesses? What are some things we can work on? That's where we want to kind of structure this. You don't have to, just because you earned your instrument rating, doesn't mean you have to stop flying with a CFII. You can still go up and fly with a CFII. It's a, I hate using It's not a license, it's a certificate. It's easy to say it's a license to learn. It's really a certificate to learn. But, it truly is. You don't have to just fly with a flight instructor every 24 calendar months when your flight review is due. You can go up with instructors more often than that. And then, what are some things we can do when we're not flying to work towards proficiency? What about chair flying? What about LiveATC.net? What about being that airport bum and just spending time immersing yourself in the system, even on the ground? All excellent ideas. Listen, thank you so much for making the instrument pilot Podcast, one of the most listened to, highest reviewed, best reviewed uh, aviation podcasts on iTunes. We certainly couldn't do it without you. Be sure to check out our other great podcasts the Private Pilot Podcast, the Commercial Pilot Podcast, and the CFI Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast. Uh, be sure to visit m0a.com. follow us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, so you see these great live notifications, all the great videos that we do. And, I hope you'll think of us when that knowledge test comes up, when that check ride is near, or you know what? When you want to excel and be a proficient pilot, we are here for you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And, most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see ya.